Last week, Pastor Well delivered this sermon to us about the importance of, how, of having godly passion. And this godly passion should not just permeate in our living, but as well in our prayers. And that godly passion, he said that it must have an honest, genuine confession. It must seek divine empowerment and that godly, godly passion that manifests sanctified desires. And I hope in your care groups you were able to discuss them and uh, been enriched by those truths. Indeed, our prayers too must have passion. I don't know how much you're passionate about in praying, but we must be passionate for God and about God. And we should reflect that even in our pray prayers. And today, we've read the very famous Lord's Prayer. And we've read that from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 5. There's also one version in the account of Luke. And there were many models or mnemonics of prayer. And we know that. Acts. We have the adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And these are wonderful structures as were given to us. I don't know who invented that, uh, but we're thankful because somehow it helped us in the structure of our prayers. And so we're thankful to God uh, on, that, on those things. But today I won't be uh, changing that mnemonics, but I want us to reflect this, the Lord's Prayer. And I know that you are very much familiar with that. I grew up and I was schooled in an institution that is a religious institution. And when I was in elementary, my school is uh, St. Peregrine Institute. It's a saint school. And so we were taught to pray every, every morning when we start our class, every time that we will have our breaks, our lunch, or our recess. And we will pray uh, when we about to go home. So every morning we will pray the Lord's Prayer. And you know this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be. It's like a re repetitive, we would recite that. And during recess time we would pray, um, bless us, O Lord, for these gifts which are about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. And then we will pray, um, to our guardian angels, angel of God, my garden dear, to whom is love and trust me here, ever this day be at my side, to light and guide, to rule and guide. Amen. So every day for the entire elementary days, we would pray that day in, day out, rain or shine. And so here, I want us to reflect on the Lord's Prayer. This might be very, very familiar to us. But there's beauty in this prayer more than what it meets the eye. And this prayer, I would say, is a rather short prayer of Jesus. But it speaks so much of power and encouragement to me personally. And I hope this will encourage you too. So today, allow me to suggest six letter R's that we can find from this Lord's Prayer. And I've entitled this sermon, Reflection on the Lord's Prayer. And as a background, when we read uh, Matthew chapter 6, we can find that Jesus was teaching them about so many things, about fasting later on, and then about prayer. In the, in the account of Luke, the disciples were asking Jesus to teach them to pray. We, we read that in Luke. And so the disciples thought that perhaps Jesus, their master, will give them a magic formula on how to pray. Or perhaps a short mantra or very beautiful language, invocatory language to use in their prayers so that they will look and sound holier. Rather, Jesus taught them this simple prayer. So today, let's go to the very first word of the Lord's prayer, which reflects so much of the first R that we're going to reflect today, relationship. The words of the Lord's prayer, very first word says, Our Father in heaven. 
there were very few direct attributions of God as Father in the Old Testament. And we found that in uh, Isaiah chapter 64 verse 8 and Hosea chapter one, uh, 11 verses 1 to 4 and in some other instances. But for the interest of time, we will not going to read them. But commonly, if we read the Old Testament, we find that God as a father is usually used as a metaphor. We've seen that in the narratives in Deuteronomy, in Jeremiah, Isaiah, and so on and so forth. And a typical Jew would revere the name of God. In fact, they would refrain themselves from even mentioning the word, the name of God, because they revered him so much. One theologian, Goran Medved, said that the typical Hebrew would address Elohim, Yahweh, but very carefully and not typically Father. While seemingly these people would refrain themselves addressing God as Father, on the other hand, God is very interested and very much introducing himself to his people as a father. We've seen that as early as Exodus, as Deuteronomy, or even in the pages of Genesis, how God provides for them. So now, despite the fact that God introduced himself as a father, the people were very reluctant to address him as a father. Even though God is very much interested to initiate that relationship with them, the people were very reluctant. And somehow, these people had given themselves or made themselves so much religious conventions, so many religious uh, practices that detached them from God. And that's what we do sometimes. We have a lot of religious practices. We have a lot of religious conventions that these conventions, these practices detach us from God. Ang dami nating mga ginagawa na mukha namang banal pero hindi nagpapalapit sa atin sa Diyos. I don't know what practices you have that appears to be holy but not biblical or does not make you closer to God. And that is the problem of the Hebrew people. They have a lot of these things that prevents them to enjoy that covenantal relationship with God. Their misplaced act of outward reverence, outward reverence prevented them from enjoying this relationship of fatherhood, of parental love. You know, this kind of parental love, this father-child relationship was always rejected by the people of God. There is a promise, as we've read in the Bible, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, that is a promise. And according to Bible scholars, the only way this promise, that they will be my people and I will be their God, the only way for this to happen is for them to experience the fatherly, parental, paternal love of God. But they've always rejected that. We know that. The history of the Hebrew people, the, he, the history of the Israelites would prove to us that they've always rejected the initiation of God, of that love, of that parental love of God to them. At hindi lang yun true to the Israelites. Until now, we reject the love of God. Through what? Through our own misconceptions about Him. That God can only work through this. That God can only manifest His ways through this. Or sasabihin natin, hindi naman ako mahal ng Diyos because of this and that. We always have misconception of God. But, here in the Lord's Prayer, smack very, very rightly on the very first word of the Lord's Prayer, and sabi niya, Our Father. Jesus revolutionized the way you would call your God. Sabi niya, no longer as God, call Him Father. He taught His disciples to address God as our collective, communal 
Father, Abba. And you know, they use this term, Abba, in, in Aramaic. That's the language they use there, which is loosely termed or defined as father or dad. And they say, Bible scholars say, if you would research, they say that this is a term of endearment. And that is so. Imagine, before the, the Israelites, the Hebrew people would address God as very distanced God. They revered Him. There's a wall between them. But now Jesus is saying, no. Call Him Father. Call Him Abba. So Jesus is saying, don't use metaphor anymore. Make it concrete. Call Him your Father. Call Him Abba. Because there is an intimate and close relationship that God is asking us and encouraging us to have with Him. And so God is saying, call Him Abba, Father. Jesus did not just put up into metaphor who God is. He told them to address Him as their Father. He called His disciples, all of us, to call God the Father. You know, I find this very redemptive. Because for many of you, or for some of you, who may have a very difficult relationship with your parents, or particularly your father, this for me, I find this very redemptive. Let me tell you a story about a girl. There's a Bible study which I attended, and we're discussing about the fatherhood of God. And this girl said that the idea of father or having a father he she finds that repulsive she finds that not so good the reason being is that she was abused by her father and so the idea of god being a father as being mentioned here in the scripture does not resonate with her on a personal level i cannot also relate so much when I was reading this uh, before, I could not, I'm not excited with the thought of God being a father because it does not resonate with me. I have an absentee father, so I, the idea of having a father does not resonate well with me. I'm excited to have a mother. So sabi ko nga, if probably if I'm a Roman Catholic, I'll be a Marian devotee. Kasi I resonate more with my mom than my dad. So the idea of father doesn't resonate well with me. Didn't excite me. Like the ones in a Bible study group who shared that painful experience she had with her own father. And I say, this is redemptive because here, Jesus is presenting us for us, for like me, or for many of you, or for some of you who have that kind of broken relationship with the idea of a father. Here comes a father. He can restore that view. He can restore that broken father-child relationship. That can be restored. When Jesus said, our father, that view of father can be renewed. And that's, for me, wonderful. Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 says this, Because you are sons, or in other translation, children, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out Abba Father. And for me, that's a triune work of our triune God in us. That we're no longer abandoned. We are His children. Another reassuring verse in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we can cry out, Abba, Father. You did not receive spirit of bondage, but the spirit of adoption. We are all adopted by Jesus Christ. And that's a wonderful term, adoption. I want us to just look at that, the word adoption, because, you know, Filipinos don't uh, get the word adoption very, very clearly in our minds because of the 
telenovela mentality that we have. Naisip natin yung mga ampon, mga in, laging inaaway, laging nagiging rebellious, nagiging suwail na anak. That is unfortunate. Sabi ko nga kay Donna, if we, we wanted to have a third child, not through natural means, kasi close up na kaming pareho, but to adopt. Because for me, that's a very noble act, very holy act, magampun. Alam niyo kung bakit? Because it reflects so much of what God has done to us. We were all adopted into His family. At nung inampun tayo ng Panginoon, itinuring niya tayong tunay na anak. Alam niyo, pag sinasabi ng Bible yung adoption, hindi ito yung adoption na iniisip natin, your telenovela mind. Adoption in the Roman and in the Hebrew uh, law, it means when you're adopted, you are assuming you are really into the family of the one who adopted you. In fact, in the Philippine law as well, you will even, in fact, receive more inheritance if you're a legally adopted child than an illegitimate child. Eh, yung illegitimate, technically, may dugot laman siya nung father, di ba? Pero, you will receive more inheritance if you're adopted. And so, therefore, in this, you are adopted, you can call this father, not just an adoptive father, but Abba, real father. I go back to the story of some of you who might identify with this girl who had been abused and abandoned by his own father. The good news is this. This is what Jesus had promised us. And this is what the Spirit has done into our lives. We are no longer under the bondage of sin, of slavery, of the pains of the past, of hurts, but we were adopted. So therefore, there is redemption. There is restoration of relationship with the Father who will not leave you, who will not also forsake you. And I want us to grasp that truth. The truth that Jesus taught his disciples to call God your Father. Now, it isn't just like calling God like Father or Daddy. You're not just calling 911 when you call God your Father. You're not just calling a police to rescue you. you are calling and talking to your father whom you can depend on, who you can rely on. And that is the first truth. Our father is indeed a call for us to have a relationship with God. The second R that we can reflect from the Lord's Prayer is from this line, Hallowed be your name, or hallowed be your name, which connotes reverence. Hallowed is a very old English. We don't use that anymore today unless you're very, uh, you're very English and you will say, I, am, I hallowed you, O God. We say, we praise your name. We, we worship you. So hallowed is a very old English which, which means to ascribe holiness and utmost respect. Holiness not only means piety or purity. That's what we mean and that's what God comes into our mind when we hear the word hallowed or holiness, piety, purity. Of course, those are aspects of holiness. But the literal meaning of holiness means cut above the rest or set apart, being set apart, never the ordinary. The holiness of God means, or to ascribe holiness to Him means, you are saying that God is cut above the rest, set apart, to see God not only in His purity, in His perfection, but also in His being. We cannot view God whenever we pray that as if He's just an idol. You're asking this small demigod and you're just offering a prayer to this demigod and you're asking something Him to do something for you. That's not how we should pray. That's not how we should view God. We should view God with, just, with such holiness to see Him as a set-apart. Ang problema natin, we see God like He's an idol. 
para bang nagdadasal lang tayo sa isang Lord, we request you to do this, da 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 da, we do this uh, 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 ritual, and then off we go. That's not how to view God with holiness. You come to God with reverence to view God in His holiness. So when Jesus taught His disciple to say, when you pray, you say, hallowed be your name. Jesus is ascribing holiness to God. He is saying, behold, this is your God. Behold, He is cut above the rest. Behold, He is set apart in His being, in His perfection, in His purity. He is absolutely different. You should not treat Him like your ordinary demigod. Paano kayo manalangin? Paano nyo view ang Diyos tuwing kayo nananalangin? Do you view that? Lord, I just pray this. Da -da 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 -da. But you don't revere Him. To give this God, when you say, hallowed be your name, to give God all your regard, respect, and reverence. Revelation chapter 15, verse 4. Let's read. Who will not fear you, Lord? And we've discussed the fear of the Lord. Fear is not just you're afraid to be punished. You're afraid to God because you're afraid to be punished by God. That is not necessarily what the fear of God means. I think we've, we've uh, discussed here yung um, discussion natin about a Latin word on what it, what, what it means to fear God, di ba? Yung to fear God is to, awe, to be awed at Him, to be be held by Him and say that, wow, Lord, you're magnificent, you're glorious, like what we have just sang a while ago. And He said, who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for, you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. So, to give reverence to God when we pray is to defer to that person. When you revere someone, meaning you will be extremely careful when you say, hallowed be thy name, that connotes reverence. It means that when you pray, when you come to God, you are deferring to God, meaning you are extremely careful, extremely careful not to offend that person when you revere that person. You will do everything and anything not to offend that person. That's how you show your reverence to that person. And that is exactly how we should revere God. We will do everything and anything not to offend and to put the name of God into disrepute or even disgrace His holy name. And to fear Him is to hold Him in His majesty. And that when you revere God, that reverence would lead you to love and devotion and passion to God. That's how to revere God. That's how to have a fear of Him. Hindi natatakot ka, natatakot ako sa Diyos. Bakit ka natatakot? Pag-usok ko, baka parusahan ako. That is not really fear of God. To revere God is to hold Him in His majesty, which would lead you to love and devotion to Him. To revere Him is to do everything not to offend Him, even to disgrace His holy name. Hallowed be thy name. That would leave us to our next R, which is to resolve. This was connoted by these lines in the Lord's Prayer. It says here, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I use the word resolve. Because Jesus here is teaching His disciples in the prayer, is exemplifying that God is resolute. Pag sinabi natin resolute, determined. God is resolute, as in the prayer of Jesus, to have His will, to have the will of God happens, as it happens in heaven, it will also happen here on earth. Not only the kingdom of God to be in the heavenly places, but the kingdom of God to be here and now. To bring the kingdom of God here and now. We always forget it as Christians. This is the prayer of the Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We always view the kingdom of God there. But ang sabi ng Panginoon, bring the kingdom of God also, it should also happen here on earth. 
That is to say, to bring the kingdom of God here and now. So the question is this. Tanong niyo ito, ma'am. Maganda siguro discussion niyo ito sa inyong mga care group. What is the kingdom of God? And how does God bring His kingdom here on earth? Who would He use to bring this kingdom here on earth? What will be the vehicle on which He will use to bring this kingdom here on earth? Now, the kingdom of God is a vast theological subject. It will take us one year to discuss that. But that is the question. What is the kingdom of God? Who will bring the kingdom of God here on earth? Sino? Let me read to you Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God, this is an aspect of His kingdom, is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So my question a while ago is that how do we bring the kingdom of God on earth? In other words, let us use the words of Romans chapter 14, verse 17. How do we bring the kingdom of God of His righteousness, of His peace, and of His joy into the world? How do we bring peace and joy into the world? Of righteousness into the world. How? At pare-pareho tayo nagtinginan sa bawat isa And tatanong natin, paano nga ba? Sige po, sagutin po natin. Mga, by participation, mga FB friends natin. Mga, papaano? How do we bring the kingdom of God here on earth? Nagtitinginan tayo, paano nga ba? Huwag na kaming pahirapan. Paano nga ba? My dear brothers and sisters, none other than through the gospel of Jesus Christ. None other. Because that gospel, that message of hope brings righteousness into the hearts of the people. That gospel brings peace to the lives of people. That gospel brings joy to the people. And then if you have heard the gospel, if you live out that gospel, that righteousness in you will be translated in your personal relationships. that peace in you will be transcended in, into your personal circles, into your community, you will be a peacemaker. If you have your joy in you, that will be translated with your, how would you, how would you communicate and relate with other people. And so therefore, from you, from the transformation of the gospel in you, it will go out slowly into the world. And one of that is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the kingdom of God is for Christ, for Jesus to rule into our hearts, that He would reign into our hearts with righteousness, with peace, and with joy as we bring peace to others. Kasi meron ka ng gospel eh. Narutulan mo na ang gospel, ang ebanghelyo ni Jesus. You will bring that out. Don't tell me of a Christian who does not have joy in his heart or does not have any righteousness because that is the effect of the gospel of Jesus in your heart. Kung ngayon palang 30 years ka ng Christiano, wala kang righteousness, wala kang peace, wala kang joy. And of course, I'm not saying that we will not have stressful situations and I'm not saying that. But what I'm trying to say is, kung walang transformation sa inyo, ang gospel ni Jesus, ask yourselves whether or not you're a Christian. Because I believe that the gospel, when it reaches into our hearts, when it's inside us, it will transform us. It will change the way we think about the world. And therefore, that will bring righteousness, that will bring peace to us. So, sino nagamitin ngayon ng Panginoon to bring the gospel? Sino? Eh tayo. Are you living out the gospel of Jesus? O kayo hindi, kayo, hindi tayo kakitaan na tayo ay mga living testimonies of the gospel of Jesus. Yan ang ating problema. The kingdom of God on us. And in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 8, we've read this, and I will bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people, and I will be their God in faithfulness and in righteousness. This is what I'm saying a while ago, that God intends a relationship. And that relationship is to have our hearts to be filled with faithfulness in righteousness. And 
this is the notion where the kingdom of God will come to us. That God will rule our hearts with faithfulness and righteousness. And as God would rule our hearts, He will change us. In Jeremiah 31, 33, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says Yahweh, I will put my law in their inward parts, and in their hearts will I write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And the only way for this to happen is through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To have Jesus Christ to rule, to bring the kingdom of God into earth is to bring the message of the gospel of Jesus to the world. And I hope we will all be encouraged and we will be there to respond to the call of God to be part of his glorious call, to be gospel bearers. And this would lead me to the next R, which is the resource. And this is what we've read from that time. Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread is often misunderstood as well. Now, when we say give us today our daily bread, I don't know if you find that very uh, useful because today, bread is a matter of preference to us. Some of you are not taking or eating bread if you are on a keto diet or some of you are trying to lose weight like me before, but now I eat bread. Huh? So, we will not take bread. We will not take rice. Siguro sa Pinoy dapat ito, give us today our daily rice. But, there's a misunderstanding here when we say, give us today our daily bread. It's because it speaks about the resource of God. For the ancient people, bread is not a matter of preference, like you're choosing your favorite pastry in the, in the nearest bakery. That's not how it works with the ancient people. Bread is a staple to them. You either have it or you don't. If you have it, you will not survive. Bread is to them sustenance. That is for them everything. That is a matter of survival to them. And so therefore, when Jesus asked and prayed to give us this day our daily bread, God is saying, Jesus is saying, that God will provide for your daily provision. And we've proven that in our lives. Is God interested or will he provide for our daily provision? The answer is yes. Jesus prayed for that. And we were taught and we are taught to pray for that. And he will respond to that. God will take care of our everyday provision. Because God knows our every need. Eh, misa nga, hindi lang pati yung need natin ang binibigyan ng Diyos, pati yung wants. Kailangan mo lang naman ng isang sapatos, tama? Tingnan niyo yung mga closet niyo, ilan lang sapatos niyo. Kailangan mo lang naman ng isang dalawang damit, di ba? Pero ilan ang damit niyo? Salamat pala sa nagbigyan itong damit ko ngayon. Thank you for my sponsors. <laughs> but that is true. Ngayon nga eh. Ngayon pumayat ako, sabi ko noon, naku, paano to? Dati yung mga ang damit ko, double XL. Ngayon, maliit na. Lord, paano kaya? Now, iniisip ko, sa ko kaya lagay yung iba kong damit? Hindi lang everyday sustenance, pati once binibigay sa atin ng Diyos, nagdadoubt pa kayo kung kayo ay bibigyan at ipoprovide ng Panginoon. Mahiyahiya naman tayo minsan, ano? And we even doubt God, Lord, are you going to provide for me? Of course I will. Yung once nga binigay ko sa iyo, yung pakayang provision mo. So let's not doubt God. But we doubt Him, aminin natin, Lord, kukulangin po kami. Alam ng Diyos, anak, stay put lang. Kalma lang. Magtiwala tayo sa Panginoon. Give us this day our daily bread. But I want us to look deeper on this. My question is this, who is your daily sustenance? If in the ancient people, our daily bread means survival to them, what makes you live? Is God a matter of survival to you? 
or just a matter of preference to you? Is God an add-on to your life? Like, okay, I will just have my daily bread. I just I think I'm fancying eating tarts today. So I'm just probably having my daily bread today. Is God like that to you? Or if you don't have it, you will not survive. Ganun yung ba tinitignan ng inyong Diyos? Na without Him, I am nothing. Without Him, I will not live. To give us our daily bread, I want us to look here at God and say, without God, God is a matter of survival to me. And that is how we should express our faith. We have just had our PK young people here who will just be transferring from, from praise kids to the youth. If these people will see us and they, we will testify to them that God is not a matter of survival to us, na parang ang Diyos ay add-on lang sa buhay natin, how are we going to guide these people, these young people, to faith? Ask us, ask ourselves, is God a matter of survival to you? Is He just an icing to your cake? Or He is your daily bread that without Him you cannot survive? Because He claimed to be the bread of life and Jesus claimed that in John chapter 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. Jesus claims to be the very reason of our existence. He is a matter of survival to us, not a preference. God is not asking you to just choose like your favorite bread, again, I've mentioned from your favorite bakery, no. Without Him, you cannot live and eat. And so the ultimate question is, who is your daily bread? Because, my dear brothers and sisters, if your daily bread is not Jesus, it is not God, if your daily bread or what makes you live is someone else, I will tell you this right straight to your very face, that is idolatry. If God is not everything to you, that is idolatry. Everything else is idolatry. We should manifest a faith that God is everything to us. Everything in this church. Otherwise, everything else is idolatry. Give us this day our daily bread. And here we've read as another reflection, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And I use the word, my reflection is the letter R, release. I've used that word because release, I believe, is the ultimate effect of forgiveness. To be released from the bondage of unforgiveness. Meron ba kayong taong hindi pa pinapatawad? Mabigat ba? Mga kamarites? Ano inis-inis ako sa pag nakikita ko, tumukulo dugo ko. Nakikita ko pa lang ang Facebook. Parang ganyan friends niya, nakikita ko lang ang Facebook na imis na ako. Yan friend mo kaya. Pero, but to be released from that bondage of unforgiveness. So for me, when Jesus said, forgive us our debt as we have forgiven our debtors, the ultimate effect of that is release. To be released from the sins that we have also done to others. Minsan hindi lang naman kayo ang ginawa ng masama, kayo din nakagawa ng masama sa iba. Naranasan niyo na bang magpatawad? Naranasan niyo na bang mapatawad? Forgiveness is not jaba, is about not taking ill will against that person. Meaning you're not seeking revenge. Panginoon, gusto kong tamaan ng kidlat ng tao na yan. Grabe ginawa sa akin yan, pinahiya ako niyan. Minatamata kami nung maliliit kami. 70 years old na ito ha. Nung maliliit kami, that is 50 years ago, 55 years ago. But God is calling us to forgive our debts. In the same breath, ang sabi ng Panginoon, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Same breath. God is calling us to forgive. In the same breath that God will forgive us. That's why forgiveness can be given even without the other person asking from it. You know why? Because forgiveness is something that you give because that's not taking ill will against that person. And now let's look into 
Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption. And look at how redemption was characterized here. We have redemption through the forgiveness of sin. Redemption, the forgiveness of sin. We were brought into the kingdom of God, and through Jesus we have redemption. And that redemption, as I've mentioned, is characterized by forgiveness of our sin. He redeemed us. And so when Jesus prayed to forgive our sins, he's saying also this. To forgive is to do not holding someone else on you. Meaning to release that person as God would release us. And let me just uh, quickly give this to you. I'm, I'm watching one Netflix series it's not for kids, by the way, the mass. Um, there's a story in this Netflix series, uh, The Mass. We find this girl who was for the longest time paralyzed. And he, she was paralyzed caused by a drunkard. So there was a deep-seated anger in that girl. She hated this drunkard so much because he caused her uh, paralysis. He caused the accident that caused her to be paralyzed. So in one celebration of the Mass, the girl was miraculously healed. And now this girl was able to walk. And now that he, that she could walk, I'm sorry, that she could walk, she went into the trailer truck of that drunkard and confronted him. She confronted that drunkard that caused her being paralyzed. And she told him that I'm so angry at you. And she mentioned this very powerful line, I'm angry at you because you took my life before I've had it. Hindi ba gano'n na nangyari sa atin pag tayo sinaktan tao? You took my life before I've had it. She was very, very angry. But I said, I will forgive you. I will choose to forgive. Because to forgive is even mightier. And you know what happened? Because... That girl received forgiveness, and that, that girl gave forgiveness. That drunkard attempted to attend the Alcoholic Anonymous session and eventually wanted to turn a new leaf in his life. Why? Because he experienced forgiveness. And God is calling you to forgive. And that is the power of the redemption we have in Christ, that we are able now to forgive our debts. So who among you here needed to forgive someone? Let this be your prayer. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. That is a Christian, a serious Christian call to forgive others. You can never be free unless you have forgiven someone. Learn to forgive. And lastly, this last line, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And my last reflection here on the last hour is, it's about redemption. Before anything else, let us clear some things. The word temptation here is translated from the Greek word Bible scholars, perismos. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. Perismos, meaning to say, to test. I'm saying this because God will not tempt us, as we've read in James chapter 1, verse 13. But we pray those prayers in other translation. This prayer was lead us not into the test, but deliver us from evil. And we pray those kind of prayer. We pray that, Lord, don't let us go into another COVID situation again. And that's a good prayer. That's uh, an honest prayer. But God in His sovereignty will allow us to undergo testing. But He will not tempt us. Let me just read to you James chapter 1, verse 13. I'd just like to clarify this point because of that word. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. God will not tempt you. This is like saying, in other words, this is like saying, Lord, do not let, give me, do not let me give in to the test. Strengthen my heart and soul. Redeem me. Because the question is, who can redeem you from your testing, from your trial? Who can redeem you from evil? Who can? God. So, 
The prayer that whenever we pray this prayer, lead us not into temptation, is like praying, Lord, I'm asking for redemption. I'm asking that you will not leave, lead me to test. And Psalms 141 verse 4 captured this very perfectly. Look at this prayer in Psalms 141. It says, Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil, to take part in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers. Let me not eat of their delicacies. Meaning, when we pray, lead me not into temptation, this is saying, Lord, save me from myself. Save me that my heart will not be drawn to what is evil. When we pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, we are praying, Lord, we pray that I will not take part in that wicked deeds of men. Lord, don't allow me to go there. And this is precisely what the Lord's Prayer is all about. The Lord is asking and teaching us that we should pray that God will ask us and be with us and that when we are into trials, our heart will not be drawn to evil because it is only God who can redeem us from that. Now, let me give you the view of Thomas Aquinas. I think one of the greatest theological thinkers of the medieval time. Thomas Aquinas, in his exposition of the book of Romans, said this. And he has a very interesting take on this. He said that whenever we pray, lead us not into temptation, it is another way of praying, Lord, give us grace. The reason of Thomas Aquinas, why he said that whenever you pray, lead us not into temptation, is equivalent to give us grace, is this. He said that without grace, you would, in your natural selves, fall into sin. Without the grace of God, you, in your natural state, would fall into temptation. You would be drawn to what is evil. Your heart will be submerged into sin without grace. And therefore, Aquinas said that whenever we pray that prayer, it is saying that, Lord, give me grace, redeem me. And that's what I say, redemption. And so, today, we pray that, that the Lord will redeem us and ask for His grace. In what areas of your life, as we end, my dear brothers, in what areas of your life, God is asking you to surrender to Him? Ano pong bahagi ng mga buhay niyo ngayon? Mga kasalanang tinatago-tago natin? Mga kasalanang ayaw nating ipaalam sa iba? that the Lord is asking us to reflect on this prayer, lead us not into temptation. Let my heart not be drawn to what is evil, Lord. Let my heart do not participate in the wicked deeds of men. What are those things that God is asking you to surrender? What are the things that you're succumbing to or temptations that you're succumbing to that God is asking you right now to surrender to Him? I pray that God will remove our appetites in the world and turn our affection towards Him. And that is my prayer. And as we end these six hours on the Lord's Prayer, I hope that we would be able to fully grasp the truth of our relationship with the Father. I hope that this prayer would also lead us to regard God with such reverence that we should delight in Him, that the Lord's Prayer will encourage us to participate in His will, to bring the gospel, His kingdom into the world, to acknowledge God as our ultimate resource, to experience the release of God through His forgiveness that we have in Christ, and to claim the victory of redemption through the sacrifice of our Lord. So the Lord's Prayer, my dear brothers and sisters, is not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about God. It's about our relationship with Him. His call us to revere Him, to delight in Him, to encourage us to obey Him, to depend on Him, to forgive, to experience the power of God's pardon in our lives, and to have our redemption in Him. That is what I think my reflection on the Lord's Prayer. And whenever we pray that again, I hope this sixth reflection will come into our mind and deepen and enrich our theology of prayer to spur our hearts more into praying. 
Let us come to the Lord in prayer and let us pray. Father, we thank you today. Thank you that you have led us today in understanding and reflecting on our Lord Jesus Christ's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sins against us. Do not lead us to the test, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And Lord, today I pray that you will be with your people. Encourage them today, O Lord, if they're succumbing to trials, temptations. Lord, if they are lacking, teach them, encourage them that you are their sustenance and their provision. Lord, in their abandonment, in the pains that they're having, Lord, remind them that you, that we have a relationship in you. And Lord, may we acknowledge you as our ultimate resource. May we come to you with such reverence that we would delight in you and obey you. And finally, Lord, may we be encouraged to participate in your will to bring the gospel and your message to the world that badly needs you. Father, today I pray that you will be with your people, be with them, guide them, and Lord, today, bless them. Whatever that they're going through this week, Father, I know that you will strengthen their hearts today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let us all stand to receive the benediction. May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father who loved us and by His grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your heart and strengthen you in every good deed and word through the power of His Spirit now and forevermore. In the name of our one true God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the people of God will respond with Amen, Amen, and Amen. God bless you, everyone. And for those of you who have joined us online, thank you. And join us again next week. And God bless you, everyone. Salamat po.